0: Chapter Thirty One of The Deluge, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Deluge, Volume Two, by Henrik Sienkiewicz. Translated by Jeremiah Curtin, eighteen thirty five to nineteen o six chapter thirty one that evening the swedes lay down to sleep without putting food into their mouths and without hope that they would have anything to strengthen themselves with on the morrow they were not able to sleep from the torment of hunger before the second cock crow, the suffering soldiers began to slip out of the camp singly and in crowds to plunder villages adjoining yaroslav they went like night thieves to Radimno, to Kanchuga, to Tichin, where they hoped to find food of some kind. Their confidence was increased by the fact that Charnyetsky was on the other side of the river, but even had he been able to cross, they preferred death to hunger. There was evidently a great relaxation in the camp, for despite the strictest orders of the king, about 1,500 men went out in this way. They fell to ravaging the neighbourhood, burning, plundering, killing, but scarcely a man of them was to return. Czarnecki was on the other side of the San; it is true, but on the left bank were various parties of nobles and peasants. Of these the strongest, that of Strauchowski, formed of daring nobles of the mountains, had come that very night to Pruchnik, as if led by the evil fate of the Swedes. When he saw the fire and heard the shots, Strauchowski went straight to the uproar and fell upon the plunderers. They defended themselves fiercely behind fences, but Straukovski broke them up, cut them to pieces, spared no man. In other villages, other parties did work of the same kind fugitives were followed to the very camp and the pursuers spread alarm and confusion shouting in tartar in wallachian in hungarian and in polish so that the swedes thought that some powerful auxiliary of the poles was attacking them maybe the khan with the whole horde confusion began and a thing without example hitherto panic which the officers put down with the greatest effort. The king, who remained on horseback till daylight, saw what was taking place. He understood what might come of that, and called a council of war at once in the morning. That gloomy council did not last long, for there were not two rows to choose from. Courage had fallen in the army, the soldiers had nothing to eat, the enemy had grown in power. The Swedish Alexander, who had promised the whole world to pursue the Polish Dariush, even to the steps of the Tartars, was forced to think no longer of pursuit, but of his own safety. "'We can return by the Seine to Saint-Domierge, thence by the Vistula to Warsaw and to Prussia,' said Wittenberg. "'In that way we shall escape destruction.' Douglas seized his own head." So many victories, so many toils, such a great country conquered, and we must return. To which Wittenberg said, Has your worthiness any advice? I have not, answered Douglas. The king, who had said nothing hitherto, rose, as a sign that the session was ended, and said, I command the retreat. Not a word further was heard from his mouth that day. Drums began to rattle, and trumpets to sound. News that the retreat was ordered ran in a moment from one end of the camp to the other. It was received with shouts of delight. Fortresses and castles were still in the hands of the Swedes, and in them rest, food, and safety were waiting. The generals and soldiers betook themselves so zealously to preparing for retreat, that that zeal, as Douglas remarked, bordered on disgrace. The king sent Douglas with the vanguard to repair the difficult crossings and clear the forests. Soon after him moved the whole army in order of battle. The front was covered by artillery, the rear by wagons, at the flanks marched infantry. Military supplies and tents sailed down the river on boats. All these precautions were not superfluous. Barely had the march begun when the rearguard of the Swedes saw Polish cavalry behind, and thenceforth they lost it almost never from sight. Czarniecki assembled his own squadrons, collected all the parties of that region, Sent to Yan Kazimir for reinforcements and pursued. The first stopping place, Pshevorsk, was at the same time the first place of alarm. The Polish divisions pushed up so closely that several thousand infantry with artillery had to turn against them. For a time the king himself thought that Charnyetsky was really attacking, but according to his want, He only sent detachment after detachment. These attacked with an uproar and retreated immediately. All the night passed in these encounters, a troublesome and sleepless night for the Swedes. The whole march, all the following nights and days, were to be like this one. Meanwhile, Jan Kazimir sent two squadrons of very well-trained cavalry, and with them a letter stating that the hetmans would soon march with cavalry and that he himself with the rest of the infantry and with the horde would hasten after them in fact he was detained only by negotiations with the khan with rakotsi and with the court of vienna Charnyetski was rejoiced beyond measure by this news and when the day after the swedes advanced in the wedge between the vistula and the sun He said to Colonel Polonovski, The net is spread, the fish are going in. And we will do like that fisherman, said Zagwaba, who played on the flute to the fish so that they might dance, and when they would not, he pulled them on shore. Then they began to jump around, and he fell to striking them with a stick, crying, Oh, such daughters, you ought to have danced when I begged you to do so. They will dance, answered Charnyetsky. Only let the Marshal, Pan Lubomirski come with his army, which numbers five thousand. He may come any time, remarked Volodyovsky. Some nobles from the foothills arrived today, said Zagloba. They say that he is marching in haste. But whether he will join us instead of fighting on his own account is another thing. How is that? asked Charnyetski glancing quickly at Zagwaba. He is a man of uncommon ambition and envious of glory. I have known him many years. I was his confidant and made his acquaintance when he was still a lad at the court of Pan Krakowski. He was learning fencing at that time from Frenchmen and Italians. He fell into terrible anger one day when I told him that they were fools, not one of whom could stand before me. We had a duel, and I laid out seven of them, one following the other. After that, Lubomirsky learned from me not only fencing, but the military art. By nature his wit is a little dull, but whatever he knows, he knows from me. "'Are you, then, such a master of the sword?' asked Polonovsky. "'As a specimen of my teaching, take Pan Vorodiovsky. He is my second pupil. From that man I have real comfort.' True, it was you who killed Sveno. Sveno? If some one of you, gentlemen, had done that deed, he would have had something to talk about all his life, and besides would invite his neighbours often to dinner to repeat the story at wine. But I do not mind it, for if I wished to take in all I have done, I could pave the road from this place to Saint-Domierge with such Svenos. Could I not? Tell me, any of you who know me. "'Uncle could do it,' said Roch Kowalski. Czarniecki did not hear the continuation of this dialogue, for he had fallen to thinking deeply over Zagwaba's words. He too knew of Lubomirski's ambition, and doubted not that the Marshal would either impose his own will on him, or would act on his own account, even though that should bring harm to the Commonwealth. Therefore his stern face became gloomy, and he began to twist his beard. oh whispered Zagwaba to Pan Yan. "'Chaniecki is chewing something bitter, for his face is like the face of an eagle. He will snap up somebody soon.' Then Chaniecki said, "'Some one of you gentlemen should go with a letter from me to Lubomirski." "'I am known to him, and I will go,' said Pan Yan. That is well, answered Czarnecki. The more noted the messenger, the better. Zagwoba turned to Vordiovsky and whispered, He is speaking now through the nose. That is a sign of great change. In fact, Czarnecki had a silver pallet, for a musket ball had carried away his own years before at Busha. Therefore, whenever he was roused, angry, and unquiet, He always began to speak with a sharp and clinking voice. Suddenly he turned to Zagwoba. And perhaps you would go with Pan Skjetuski. Willingly, answered Zagwoba. If I cannot do anything, no man can. Besides, to a man of such great birth, it will be more proper to send two. Charnyetski compressed his lips, twisted his beard, and repeated as if to himself, Great birth great birth. No one can deprive Lubomirski of that, remarked zagwoba Charnyetsky frowned. The Commonwealth alone is great, and in comparison with it no family is great, all of them are small, and I would the earth swallowed those who make mention of their greatness. All were silent, for he had spoken with much vehemence, and only after some time did Zagwaba say, In comparison with the whole commonwealth, certainly. I did not grow up out of salt, nor out of the soil, But out of that which pains me, said Charnyetski. And the Cossacks who shot this lip through pained me, And now the Swedes pain me. And either I shall cut away this saw with the sabre, Or die of it myself, so help me God. And we will help you with our blood, said Polonovsky. Charnyetsky ruminated some time yet over the bitterness which rose in his heart, over the thought that the marshal's ambition might hinder him in saving the country. At last he grew calm and said, Now it is necessary to write a letter. I ask you, gentlemen, to come with me. Pan Yan and Zagoba followed him and half an hour later they were on horseback, and riding back toward Redimno, for there was news that the marshal had halted there with his army. "'Yan,' said Zagwaba, feeling of the bag in which he carried Tcharniecki's letter, "'do me a favour, let me be the only one to talk to the marshal.' "'But, father, have you really known him and taught him fencing?' "'Hey!' That came out of itself, so that the breath should not grow hot in my mouth, and my tongue become soft, which might easily happen from too long silence. I neither knew him nor taught him, just as if I had nothing better to do than be a bear-keeper and teach the marshal how to walk on hind legs. But that is all one. I have learned him through and through from what people tell of him, and I shall be able to bend him as a cook bends pastry. Only one thing I beg of you. Do not say that we have a letter from Charnyetsky, and make no mention of it till I give the letter myself. How is that? Should I not do the work for which I was sent? In my life such a thing has not happened, and it will not happen. Even if Czarniecki should forgive me, I would not do that for ready treasure. Then I will draw my sabre and hamstring your horse so that you cannot follow me. Have you ever seen anything miscarry that I invented with my own head? Tell me, have you ever come into evil plight yourself with Zagwaba's stratagems? Did Pan Mihal come out badly, or your Helena, or any of you when I freed you all from Adjivil's hands? I tell you that more harm than good may come of that letter, for Charnyetski wrote it in such agitation that he broke three pens. Finally, you can speak of it when my plans fail." I promised to give it then, but not before. If I can only deliver the letter, it is all one when. I ask for no more. Now on, for there is a terrible road before us." They urged the horses and went at a gallop. But they did not need to ride long, for the marshal's vanguard had not only passed Radimno but yaroslav and Lubomirski himself was at yaroslav, and occupied the former quarters of the King of Sweden. They found him at dinner with the most important officers. But when the envoys were announced, Lubomirski gave orders to receive them at once, for he knew the names, since they were mentioned at that time in the whole Commonwealth. All eyes were turned on the envoys as they entered. The officers looked with especial admiration and curiosity at Pan Yan. When the marshal had greeted them courteously, he asked at once, "'Have I that famous knight before me, who brought the letters from besieged Zbaraj to the king?' "'I crept through,' said Pan Yan. "'God grant me as many such officers as possible. I envy Pan Charnyetski nothing so much. As to the rest, I know that even my small services will not perish from the memory of men.' and i am Zagwaba," said the old knight pushing himself forward here he passed his eye around the assembly and the marshal as he wished to attract every one to himself exclaimed who does not know of the man who slew burwai the leader of the barbarians of the man who raised radjivil's army in rebellion and i led sapieha's army who if the truth is told "'Chose me, not him, for leader,' added Zagwaba. "'And why did you wish, being able to have such a high office, "'to leave it and serve under Pan Czarnecki? "'Here Zagwaba's eye gleamed at Skshetuski, and he said, "'Serene, great mighty Marshal, from your worthiness, "'I as well as the whole country take example "'how to resign ambition and self-interest "'for the good of the Commonwealth.' Lubomirski blushed from satisfaction, and Zagwaba, putting his hands on his hips, continued, "'Pan Charnetsky has sent us to bow to your worthiness in his name, and that of the whole army, and at the same time to inform you of the considerable victory which God has permitted us to gain over Canneberg. "'I have heard of it already,' said the marshal, dryly enough, in whom envy had now begun to move. But gladly do I hear it again from an eye-witness. Zagoba began at once to relate, but with certain changes, for the forces of Canneberg grew in his mouth to two thousand men. He did not forget either to mention Sveno or himself, and how before the eyes of the king the remnant of the cavalry were cut to pieces near the river how the wagons and three hundred men of the guards fell into the hands of the fortunate conquerors. In a word, the victory increased in his narrative to the dimensions of an unspeakable misfortune for the Swedes. All listened with attention, and so did the marshal, but he grew gloomier and gloomier. His face was chilled as if by ice, and at last he said, i do not deny that charnyetski is a celebrated warrior but still he cannot devour all the swedes himself something will remain for others to gulp serene great mighty lord answered zagloba it is not pan charnyetski who gained the victory but who but lubomirski a moment of universal astonishment followed The marshal opened his mouth, began to wink, and looked at Zagwoba with such an astonished gaze, as if he wished to ask, Is there not a stave lacking in your barrel? Zagwoba did not let himself be beaten from the track, but pouting his lips with great importance, he borrowed this gesture from Zamoyski, said, I heard Chaniecki say before the whole army, it is not our sabers that slay them tis the name of Lubomirski that cuts them down since they have heard that he is right here marching on their courage has so gone out of them that they see in every one of our soldiers the army of the marshal and they put their heads under the knife like sheep if all the rays of the sun had fallen at once on the face of the marshal that face could not have been more radiant how is that? asked he. Did Charnetsky himself say that? He did, and many other things, but I do not know that tis proper for me to repeat them, for he told them only to intimates. Tell! Every word of Pan Charnyetsky deserves to be repeated a hundred times. He is an uncommon man, and I said so long ago. Zagoba looked at the marshal, half-closing his one eye, and muttered, you have swallowed the hook i'll land you this minute what do you say asked the marshal i say that the army cheered your worthiness in such fashion that they could not have cheered the king better and in pshevorsk where we fought all night with the swedes wherever a squadron sprang out the men cried lubomirsky lubomirsky and that had a better effect than allah and slay kill there is a witness here too pan skshetuski no common soldier and a man who has never told a lie in his life the marshal looked involuntarily at pan yan who blushed to his ears and muttered something through his nose meanwhile the officers of the marshal began to praise the envoys aloud see pan charnetski has acted courteously sending such polished cavaliers both are famous knights and honey simply flows from the mouth of one of them i have always understood that pan charnetsky was a well-wisher of mine but now there is nothing that i would not do for him cried the marshal whose eyes were veiled with a mist from delight at this Zagwoba broke into enthusiasm serene great mighty lord who would not render homage to you who would not honour you the model of all civic virtues who recall aristides in justice the scipios in bravery i have read many books in my time have seen much have meditated much and my soul has been rent from pain for what have i seen in this commonwealth the Opalinskys, the radzayovskys the radzivils who by their personal pride setting their own ambition above all things, were ready at every moment to desert the country for their own private gain. I thought further, this commonwealth is lost through the viciousness of its own sons. But who has comforted me, who has consoled me in my suffering? Pan Charnyetski, for he said, the commonwealth has not perished since Lubomirski has risen up in it. These others, said he, think of themselves alone. He is only looking, only seeking how to make an offering of his own interests on the common altar. These are pushing themselves forward. He is pushing himself back, for he wants to illustrate by his example. Now, said he, he is marching with a powerful conquering army, and I have heard, said he, that he wishes to give me the command over it in order to teach others how they should sacrifice their ambition, though even just... For the country go then said he to pan Lubomirski. declare to him that i do not want the sacrifice i do not desire it since he is a better leader than i am since moreover not only as leader but god grant our kazimir a long life as king are we ready to choose him and we will choose him here zagwaba was somewhat frightened lest he had passed the measure And really, after the exclamation, we will choose him, followed silence. But before the magnate, heaven opened. He grew somewhat pale at first, then red, then pale again, and laboring heavily with his breast said, after the silence of a moment, The Commonwealth is and will ever remain in control of its own will for on that ancient foundation do our liberties rest. But I am only a servant of its servants, and God is my witness that I do not raise my eyes to those heights at which a citizen should not gaze. As to command over the army, Pan Charnyetski must accept it. I demand it especially for this, to give an example to those who, having continually the greatness of their family in mind, are unwilling to recognize any authority whenever it is necessary to forget the greatness of their family for the good of the country. Therefore, though perhaps I am not such a bad leader, still I, Lubomirski enter willingly under the command of Charnyetski, praying to God only to send us victory over the enemy. Roman! Father of the country! exclaimed Zaglova, seizing the marshal's hand and pressing it to his lips. But at the same moment, the old rogue turned his eye on Pan Yan, and began to wink time after time. Thundering shouts were heard from the officers. The throng in the quarters increased with each moment. Wine! cried the marshal. And when they brought in goblets, he raised at once a toast to the king, then to Charnetsky, whom he called his leader, and finally to the envoys. Zagwaba did not remain behind with the toasts, and he so caught the hearts of all that the marshal himself conducted them to the threshold, and the knights to the gates of Yaroslav. At last Pan Yan and Zagwaba were alone. Then Zagwaba stopped the road in front of Pan Yan, reined in his horse, and putting his hands on his hips, said, Well, Yan, what do you think? god knows answered pan yan that if i had not seen it with my own eyes and heard it with my own ears i would not believe even if an angel had told me ha do you know i will swear to you that Charnytsky himself at the most asked and begged Lubomirski to go in company with him and do you know what he would have done Lubomirski would have gone alone for if Charnyetsky has adjured in the letter by the love of country, or if he mentioned private interests, and I am sure that he has, the Marshal would have been offended at once and would have said, Does he want to be my preceptor and teach me how to serve the country? I know those men. Happily old Zagwaba took the matter in hand, and hardly had he opened his mouth when Lubomirski not only wanted to go with Charnyetski but to go under his command. Charnyetski is killing himself with anxiety, but I will comfort him. Well, Jan, does Zagwoba know how to manage the magnates? I tell you that I am not able to let the breath go from my lips from astonishment. I know them. Show one of them a crown and a corner of the ermine robe, and you may rub him against the grain like a hound pup, and besides, he will bend up to you and present his back himself no cat will so lick his chops even if you hold before him a dinner of pure cheese the eyes of the most honest of them will be bursting out from desire and if a scoundrel happens such as the voivode of Vilno, he is ready to betray the country oh the vanity of man lord jesus if thou hadst given me as many thousands of ducats as thou hast created candidates for this crown i should be a candidate myself for if any of them imagines that I hold myself inferior to him, then may his stomach burst from his own pride. Zagwobbe is as good as Lubomirski In fortune alone is the difference. This is true, Jan. Do you think that I really kissed him on the hand? I kissed my own thumb and shoved his hand up to my nose. Certain it is that since he is alive no one has so fooled him.' I have spread him like butter on toast for Charnyetski. God grant our king as long a life as possible, but in case of election, I would rather give a vote to myself than to Lubomirski. Roch Kowalski would give me another, and Pan Mihau would strike down my opponents. As God lives, I would make you Grand Hetman of the kingdom straightway, and Pan Mihau, after Sapieha, Grand Hetman of Lithuania but Zengian treasurer. He would punish the Jews with taxes. But enough. The main thing is that I have caught Lubomirski on a hook and put the line in Charnyetski's hand. For whomsoever the flower, it will be ground on the Swedes. And whose is the merit? What do you think? Should the chroniclers inscribe it to someone else? But I have no luck. It will be well even if Charnyetski does not break out on the old man for not having given the letter. Such is human gratitude. This is not my first, not my first. Others are sitting in starosta ships and are grown around with fat like badgers. But do you, old man, shake your poor stomach on a horse as before? Here Zagwobba waved his hand. Human gratitude may go to the hangman and whether in this or that position you must die, still it is pleasant to serve the country. The best reward is good company. As soon as a man is on horseback then, with such comrades as you and how he is ready to ride to the end of the world. Such is our Polish nature. If a German, a Frenchman, an Englishman, or a dark Spaniard is on horseback, he is ready at once to gallop into your eyes, but a Pole having inborn patience, will endure much, and will permit even a Swedish fellow to pluck him. But when the limit is passed, and the pole whacks him in the snout, such a Swede will cover himself three times with his legs. For there is metal yet in the poles, and while the metal lasts, the Commonwealth will last. Beat that into yourself, Jan!' And so spoke Zagwaba for a long time, for he was very glad and whenever he was very glad, he was talkative beyond usual measure, and full of wise sentences. End of chapter 31. Recording by David Granville Young.